0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom of Faith Church in Crawley. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of pipe of praise. We just expect him to speak to our hearts today. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. Not one of us would be standing where we are standing today if it were not for the cross of Jesus Christ. So we give you thanks, Lord. We invite you into this room. We recognize you are our teacher right up front. We say, 1 John 2 declares, you don't need a man to teach you for the anointing will teach you. If we don't have the anointing in this room, we're just talking about rudimentary, uh, rudimentary, surface-level principles. But I pray, Father, you would take us from surface yes. to substance. Yes. Yes. For faith is the substance yes. of things, hope for the evidence of things unseen. Awaken within our hearts, Lord, yes. a deeper reality of Christ, a yes. greater love for you, yes. and a greater love for each other. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Um, It has been just a privilege to uh, get to know Pastor Clive, Pastor Jane. Um, You guys have some pretty cool leaders around here. You realize that? Uh, Really have a heart for the Lord and a love for Jesus, a humility. Um, And that's the thing that we're realizing is there are a um, a lot of things happening in the church world that we live in. Where people might even celebrate the presence of God, but they don't necessarily express the character of Christ. That's it. That's it. And the character of Christ is this humility. It's it's allowing the presence of the Lord not to just to get in the middle of it to celebrate it, but to receive it and allow it to transform us where Christ begins to be formed within <coughs> us. Yes. And the expression of his life actually is through our willingness to surrender. Um, September the twenty seventh, I had designated that day to pray for these moments that we have together, and um, I just kind of worked my schedule through fairly methodically in the way I approach praying towards certain things, and uh, I knew I had uh, had a word that I was supposed to bring. The Lord had spoken it to me prior to that day, but that day I'd given the morning to really praying into this, and so I got up and my first. Um, item of the morning was to do what I call turn the page as just my beginning point for reading the Word. It has nothing to do with sermon preparation, everything to do with just being a son uh, before the Lord. And we all need to constantly be in that place of just being before our Father. And lo and behold, as I'm turning the page, writing the date at the top of the page, I'm reading the very text God had given me to share with you prior to the day, I felt like I was supposed to be praying that text. So I don't don't know if that all makes sense, but I landed in my devotions on the word God had given me for you. (laughs) And I felt like it was just a great confirmation. So I want us to walk into that today. I I took some time just to kind of walk around the city this morning and pray and listen as the sun was coming up. It was just beautiful. You have a beautiful community here. Um, I believe that there are deep, deep wells that God wants to awaken within Amen. us Amen. in this place. Um, so I, it's interesting. We have been together for the weekend. It's been tremendous, just uh, pressing in uh, with other leaders. And yesterday uh, I began to just ask the Lord, what, what are you going to do when we come together at Kingdom Faith? And the Lord gave me this incredible um, vision and I just saw a pot of honey. And I saw that I was bringing what I carry into like I was in that pot of honey, depositing something that the Lord's given me to deposit. But as I came out, I was completely covered with dripping honey. And so I'm here to hopefully, you know, be a blessing and bring awakening and whatever the Lord desires to do in all of our hearts, but I just want you to know, just very selfishly, I'm leaving here dripping with what you're carrying and the Lord has told me I'm gonna carry something out of what you have here. I believe I'll bring it back to Oklahoma. Uh, I'm actually going back to the States tomorrow to do a men's conference before I get back to our place on the weekend and I think I'm carrying something from here for those uh, men from those churches. I think I'm carrying something here for uh, our church in Oklahoma City. So I just wanna say, I believe you have rich deposits that you may not know of. Thank you. And uh, the Lord wants to kind of awaken that today that we might understand it and recognize. Uh, Yeah, uh, sometimes uh, I'm I'm learning, I'm kind of growing in this right now, this particular season, not to just race ahead and, and bring a bunch of content but be sensitive to the moment. And uh, I just feel the Lord reminding me of something just in the same vein that I'm saying. So I just want to make room for that. Um, there was there was the this incredibly uh, barren season of time, just about 1900 uh, in the US. And there was a man who had quite a bit of land in Texas, but it was all parched, dried out. Um, he was losing his livestock, Uh, everybody was really struggling. The Great Depression was about to take place and this was the forerunner to that particular season of time. And uh, somebody came and said, um, he, he was prepared to sell land. Somebody came and said, before you sell, will you just let us drill for oil? And he had nothing to lose, everything to gain. So he signed the contract and let them drill for oil. And the number one producing oil well was born called Spindletop out of that era of time. How many of you know, and this is not, I I kind of do this with you. This is not the truth what I'm about to say. You're gonna say, yeah, amen, but it's really not. I have a deeper point to make. How many of you know, suddenly he became rich? Actually, he had been rich. There were deep deposits that existed beneath him that he did not know were there. And when there began to be a time of drilling, they began to discover what existed beneath him all along. There are deep deposits that exist in this place beneath you, kingdom faith. I'm here to drill today. We're drilling today. So, Father, we just say, awaken the deposits in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you. These are days of new wine. These are days of fresh oil. Yes. Yes. But never can we under, uh, undervalue the ancient revelation yes. Yes. <laughs> that is awakened within us. Spring up, O oh well, in Jesus' mighty name. Okay. Bring fresh oil, new wine, yes. an ancient revelation, Lord, from deep beneath the obvious. In Jesus' powerful name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There was a deep, deep well. I, I, I perceived this as Pastor Clive was speaking in one of our sessions. Uh, he was speaking and, and bringing a great word, and, and suddenly... Uh, By the way, you don't need a man to teach you, you need the anointing to teach you. So if I'm not walking and carrying any sense of anointing, then we're just having a a chat. And and if you're not walking in the anointing, then you're just listening to a speech. So I was sitting there just listening and, and, and I'm learning to discern the flow and movement of the anointing of the Spirit of God. And I was just listening and I was kind of discerning. I think there are a lot of, a lot of people who stand in, in platforms in today's modern day era who don't carry anointing because they don't spend time in prayer. They don't know what it is to be in a deep place with God. And the church largely is undiscerning and they're just celebrating something that's just about celebration and they really don't even understand there's no substance beneath it at all. And I was just listening, I was discerning your, your pastor and I was discerning substance. Something, something deeper was coming. And then suddenly he hit a very deep place that is a, I believe a very deep place for you all. Remember to silence your phones. (laughs) Did you hear my phone ding? (laughs) Um, He suddenly hit a very deep place and he started saying something to the effect of the Bible is commonly presented. I'm going to butcher this. I will not say it as eloquently as he did. because it's not my primary lane it's not my deepest element it's his yeah. and i just i just affirm this is something that you carry strongly you all carry but your pastor uh, was releasing this the bible has been reduced to a narrative of personal redemption when actually it's act, it's a story of the advancement of god's kingdom yes. personal Amen. redemption Amen. is a part of what god is doing yes. but It is a story of God's kingdom. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the access point for the personal redemption that actually becomes the doorway for us to enter into the kingdom of God. And then we as slaves, when we come to the cross, become sons and daughters, and then are anointed and gifted by God to be kings, priests, and prophets in the kingdom everywhere we go. We're not here trying to make our way to heaven personal redemption, say a prayer, we're gonna get to heaven one day. We are here as kingdom men and women of God, and we are declaring as Jesus told us to declare, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As he began to share that, I realized there's a real grace on that. I I sensed a deep, deep well that existed there. And I believe out of that well, when we begin to discover what exists beneath the obvious, it starts to change the atmosphere of our lives. Atmosphere is very important, and we need to understand this. In the proper atmosphere, a fish doesn't have to be taught to swim. You just put the fish in the atmosphere of the water, and the fish automatically does what God designed the fish to do. It will... Swim. An angel in the atmosphere of the presence of God is an angel. But an angel outside of the atmosphere of the presence of God malfunctions and becomes a demon. A human in the presence of God is a king, priest, and prophet, but outside of the presence of God becomes a slave, enslaved to all kinds of passions and desires. So the key in what I'm talking about today is that we learn to get the atmosphere right. You will very naturally, supernaturally king, priest, and prophet when you learn to live with a deep awareness of the atmosphere of the presence of God. How many of you know atmosphere matters? Atmosphere really matters. So I I challenge you to think about this as we, uh, I want to just point to an idea. Out of, uh, I've written a few books. This particular book talks about change and the process of change. A lot of people don't understand the concept I'm saying, and we just want change to be an event. Like we came to a service, we raised our hand, we went down for prayer, and they prayed for us, and praise God, we changed. Again, this is surface and there's something, substance that we need to pursue and explore in the kingdom of God. I believe in change. I used to be a drug addict, uh, heavy metal rocker, lead guitarist in metal bands in the eighties. Can you imagine me with a two-tone mullet? I can't even imagine me with hair anymore, but (laughs) I once upon a time had a two-tone mullet. Uh, And I'm I'm an advocate. I believe you can change. God can do a supernatural work and he can bring transformation. But do not misunderstand. We are called to work out our... There's work. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling and humility before the Lord our God. The premise of the book that I wrote is actually change is a process, not an event. So I brought this element in forums of business, both in the UK and the US. Uh, I've brought this forum in this type of setting, in social transformation settings. We have to understand the process of change. And atmosphere is one of those things. Just, just real quick, the concept is we, we, I'm going to share ideas. My, when, my children, when my daughters were little and they came home and they said something that didn't sound right according to the culture of our home, I would ask, who put that idea in your head? Because ideas really matter. Because ideas sustain, produce thoughts, and thoughts sustain, produce attitude. How many of you know somebody who has an attitude? Raise your hand. You, you have an attitude. Everybody has an attitude. Your attitude is just the result of the thoughts and the ideas that you've allowed to bang around in your head and cultivate in your heart. You begin to produce this attitude of your life. The attitude sustained produces an atmosphere. The atmosphere that you carry is a result of the thoughts that you've been thinking, the ideas you've been sustaining in the atmosphere, then is a result of the attitude. Some people have a joyful attitude. Who are you thinking of right now? They have been thinking joyful thoughts. Some people have an angry attitude. They've been thinking angry thoughts. It all comes from thoughts. Ultimately, it leads to culture. Thoughts sustain, produce ideas. Ideas sustain, produce attitude. Attitude sustain, produces atmosphere. Atmosphere sustain, produces climate. Climate sustain, produces ap- uh, culture. Yeah, it's true. Incredible progression. And what what you might understand, has you ever seen palm trees in England? Have you seen palm trees here? I've been walking around Horsham. I've not seen a single palm tree here. I guess you go further south, you might see some palm trees. Why? Because the climate sustains the growth of a palm tree. But the reason you don't see palm trees in the north is because the climate of the north doesn't sustain the palm tree. The atmosphere is different. The atmosphere really matters. There are a lot of people that are trying to address the issue of sin in their life, and they can't seem to get it right because they're addressing the issue of the action of sin, and they're not cultivating the atmosphere of their heart that actually will conquer the issue of sin. If you get the atmosphere right, it simply doesn't grow there. If children, this, this is a, a graphic, if you would pop that up. If children live in an atmosphere of criticism, they will learn to condemn. Atmosphere matters. If they live in an atmosphere of ridicule, they'll learn to feel shy. If they live in an atmosphere of praise, they'll actually learn appreciation. If they live in an atmosphere of acceptance, they'll learn love, sharing. They'll learn generosity and in atmosphere of encouragement. They will learn confidence. I believe atmosphere is a really important part of our walk with the Lord. And we just want to, you know, explore these surface level pursuits and never really go to the deeper place. And the deeper place is where God begins to transform something not only within us. You might just want to write this down. I like to I take ideas and thoughts and, and pray them and pray them and pray them until I get them down into a phrase and a capsule that I can just release. This weekend I've been talking about, I believe God's given me the release of that which is kind of like a depth charge and it just, it's released and then it just, it sinks for a little while and then it's, and after it's released, then it's revealed. Deep within us, it's awakened. And and this is is that sort of a scenario as we look at the realm of the atmosphere awakening, uh, everything that God desires to do in our heart. So, I focus on, on this in this particular book. I'm trying to remember now what the phrase was I was about to tell you. I know it was a really good phrase. Just hold that pencil in hand and I'll come back to it. Change is a process, not an event. Oh, uh, it usually takes about 20 years to become an overnight success. Yeah? Yeah, process. And the Lord is about the process. Uh, if you want to go to, if you want, in, if you're interested in this idea, that, those are the chapters of the book I just went through. Thoughts, ideas. You can go to PastorDude.com, um, and that's actually where you can pick up those books if you're interested in seeing them online. Uh, you can get them digitally for cheap on there. I don't know, four or five dollars. Uh, I guess four pounds, something like that. Here. Um, Let's look in the Bible at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I just want actually, to... Actually, let's go to Genesis 28. I'll give you the, the synopsis of what we read in John 1, and then I want to see the alignment to it in uh, Genesis 28. John 1... Uh, We we know this, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was made flesh. Uh, Jesus came. Aren't you glad Jesus came to tabernacle with God to demonstrate for us what it means to walk with full awareness of the Father who's in heaven, awakening things within our hearts. That's the demonstration that we see. He modeled the unveiling of the house of God. This is what Jesus did. He modeled the unveiling of the house of God. And we see in, in John 1 this description, angels were ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Do you remember this? This is John 1, and And the angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It curiously resembles what we read about in Genesis 28. And this is the text that I was reading in my quiet time. And that's why I said, we'll just go straight to that, uh, because I want to make sure we have time to read this portion of Scripture. And let's, uh, let's really just try to practice Uh, being engaged with what the Lord is revealing as we read. There's power in the public reading of the Word of God. Genesis 28, 11 to 17. This is Jacob in a desperate place. Has anyone ever been in a desperate place before? It's dark, he's exhausted, he's been deceptive, and uh, now God is gonna come to him in this hour of great difficulty. Genesis 28, verse 11. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set on top of the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending. This is, this is the vision. This is, this is what we later read in John 1 the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the father uh, and the, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. Does that sound like something you've heard before? Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever. Ever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you. <laughs> Aren't you glad he'll not leave us or forsake us? I mean, we see so many preliminaries of what was taking place and what would come after this story. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. What we're about to read here is this is the first mention in the Bible of the house of God. And this is the the groundwork for us to get it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. How many of you know there are a lot of churches we can walk into and and just neglect the reality? I mean, people can be celebrating, preaching us up. We can say hi to everybody and leave and never even really give a bit of attention to the Lord who's in this place. And God wants us to give attention to the Lord who's in this place. Not just here. You are the house of God. And in your workplace, I want you to know, surely the Lord is in that place, and you might not even know it. And in your family and in your home, surely the Lord is in that place, and you might not even know it. And in your children's bedrooms, you're wondering, are they going to serve the Lord with their whole heart? Surely the Lord is in those places, and we may not even know it. So recognizing the Lord is there and embracing that the Lord is at work is a part of this continuation and declaration as we read on. Let's go to verse 17 as we continue. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Listen carefully The house of God is the gate of heaven. Do we all understand that's what's being said here? Would it be okay if we all said together, the house of God is the gate of heaven? Are you ready? One, two, three. The house of God is the gate of heaven. This is so important that you understand. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. He set up this stones and the, top stone. He poured oil on it. And then he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Boy, there's a lot here. Father, would you just help us to navigate through for a few moments what you're desiring for us to see in the name of Jesus. The house of God is the gate of heaven. Yes. Jacob rests his head on a rock. He suddenly is awakened to the reality. Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. He sets up a pile of rocks and pours oil on the top rock. All of this is a a prophetic expression that the house of the Lord is being established in the earth. And the oil is the anointing poured on the head rock, Jesus, and the the house of God is being established. Did you notice it, it was first known as Luz and then was named Bethel? Luz means almonds. Bethel means house of God. Almonds are nuts, house of God. It used to be the house of nuts, now it's the house of God. When the anointed Christ comes into the room, how many of you can relate? How many of you used to be a mess? How many of you still a little bit of a mess? Aren't you glad he's the messiah who takes our mess and turns it into a message? That's who he is. Welcome to the house of nuts that's now become the house of God. He's not put off by your, your mistakes or your mishaps or your disappointments or your disillusionments. Just bring it all to him and allow him to have his way. Thomas is, what do we call Thomas? Doubting, Doubting Thomas. You know, Jesus never, uh, never said that to him. The Bible never references him with that label that we've categorized and we've reduced him to. When Thomas had doubts, Jesus said, Thomas, you have doubts. I have scars. Come, let me address your question so that you'll be stronger in your walk with the Lord. We give Thomas a bad rap, but Jesus compassionately loved him through the questions that he had. Jesus is not here to label you. He's here to love you through any question that you may have and awaken you to a greater understanding. There is a well, there is an ancient well that exists beneath you, and God is wanting to awaken something today. Spring up, oh well, spring up, oh well, out of the temple of the living God. The house of God, what do we say? The house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven. I love Psalms 24, and it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the King of glory may break into the earth. Who are the gates? We are the gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates. The house of God are the gates of heaven. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Know ye not? Know ye not? You are the temple. Did you go from death to life? And now you're the house of God, the gates of heaven. And everywhere you go, you carry this anointing that's springing up from a well that exists beneath you, releasing something to the atmosphere of your city and your land and this nation and the nations of the earth. That is who we are. fascinating how all of this comes together. Surely the Lord is in my marriage and I didn't even know it. In the brokenness of my marital relationship, sometimes we just have to stop and lift our hands and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to give you praise because your word says in Psalms 22, 3, you are a God who inhabits the praises of your people. So if in the place of my, my pain, I begin to give you praise, you begin to invade that place of pain. And out of pain, then I can discover there's something you can do even inside my heart. Redeeming the situation, that's wonderful, but make me more of who God's called me to to be as a result of every difficult circumstance. May it drive me to a greater place of praise where God then begins to invade that praise. Surely the Lord is at work in situations you did not even realize he was at work in. I'm getting a bit wound up. Last text I'll take you to, Job The Lord is speaking. Job chapter 29 verses 3 to 6 When his lamp shone over my head and his light and by his light I walked through darkness as I was in the prime of my days When the friendship of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me and my children were round about me, my steps were bathed in butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. So... Imagine you know Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and the priesthood being established, and Aaron standing and, and being anointed with oil and and the way the, the, the priesthood the way they would anoint with oil, the Bible speaks of the oil being poured on the the, the, the head and running down the beard. And and can you imagine enough oil to be poured on your head, run down your beard, get down all over your clothes? Imagine what it would look like where you were standing once you stepped away from that. You'd be like a puddle of oil that would remain there. When you allow that which exists beneath you to begin to spring up through you, everywhere you step, my steps were bathed in butter." As I was walking through your city uh, this morning praying, I was just declaring everywhere I step I leave a trail of anointing every place I go I declare the church is being awakened to understand the places where you go throughout the course of this week your steps are bathed with butter the, the rock is pouring out his oil the anointing will break the yoke of bondage the atmosphere of your city is beginning to shift in Jesus mighty name do you stand in agreement with that declaration that I believe is directly from the Lord. The atmosphere is beginning to shift in your community. Crime rates are going down. Domestic abuse is being broken. Child abuse is being broken. The love of the King of Jesus Christ is being awakened in the heart of this community. That's what people have to have. Amen. Amen. They need Jesus. And when we allow the Lord to begin to awaken things within us, the world begins to be transformed around us. Could I just get the worship team to come back? If you still have your, your pen in hand to write something down, that's a really important one. God awakens things within us to transform the world around us. God awakens things within us to transform the world around us. God is awakening something within you to transform the world around you. Surely the Lord is at work in some place that you didn't realize he's at work, but he is. And he's awakening things within us to transform the world around us. If you get locked into the environment of containment, this is just the way it is. It's just stuck. It has to be this way. I, my own life, I, I, I just do drugs. I have a drug house. I have a party place. This is where people come. We're going to get drunk. We're going to get high. We're going to overdose twice. It's just what we do. This is just the pattern of my life. I'm just going to keep doing this pattern. It was just this this place of containment and confinement in my life. But God awakened something in my heart that was bigger than the confined space in which I had been dwelling. And suddenly my revelation got bigger than my environment and I no longer lived a life of confinement. God is awakening something within you to transform the world around you. Come on, can we just stand and invite the presence of the Lord? I was uh, actually over in the UK and when I got home, I have a swimming pool in my home and when I got home it had turned green. It was very satanic. Nobody likes a green swimming pool. Uh, the side of the pool was green and, and I grabbed a brush and I started scrubbing that off the side and I got, I mean, it took me a while ago, sweating and I scrubbed it and scrubbed it and scrubbed it and, and got it clean. And I was so excited. I would conquered that demonic foe of green algae that I tried to grow in my pool and the Lord was was giving me triumphant victory in that day. Two days later, it was growing back on the side of the pool. Has anyone ever felt that way with you deal with something in your life and it's like, Praise God, we're free. And and then like just a few days later, it's trying to creep back in. And I, I went out and scrubbed it again. I did that two or three times before I realized, you know what I have to do is stop scrubbing the side of the pool and treat the atmosphere of the water. Once I treated the atmosphere of the water, the algae couldn't grow. It's the same point I was making earlier about the palm tree. And I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying there's some people who your lives have been growing these places of repetitive disobedience and you keep scrubbing it and it's just not working. And the Lord wants to help you by treating the atmosphere of your life. Being a person who gets consistently in the word, this is one of the most simple things I could ever tell. And uh, I'm telling you this, I believe to be the most revolutionary idea, as simple as it is. There are people in our church that are in their seventies, been in church all their life, and they said, I've never read my Bible all the way through. Statistics show 20% of pastors leading churches have never read their full Bible. And, and these people in our church are suddenly reading their Bible all the way through. And we're celebrating that this is happening. And this is the way we do it. You get an old-fashioned Bible. I, I, I'm, I like digital stuff, but you need an old-fashioned Bible. Just get one you can smell. Can't smell digital. Start in this very uh, beginning book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Start in Genesis chapter one. And then what you do is you just take a, a pen. You remember those pens that we used to write with before the digital age robbed us of them. Um, in Genesis chapter one, you write the date right here at the top of your page. And maybe just a prayer, open my heart today, Lord. Help me to hear your voice today, Lord. Some simple little prayer. And then you just read this page and this page. Highlight, underline, little note, whatever. And and, and then close your Bible. You can read other stuff too, but every day just turn the page. And the next day, guess what you're going to do? Watch watch it happen. It's amazing. Turn the page. And you write the date at the top of the page. You put a little prayer. Break our hearts for the cross of Christ today. You do that. From Genesis through. I know you're going to get to Leviticus and things like that. And you're going to think, I don't really understand. You don't, your mind doesn't have to be fruitful for your spirit to be fed. That's right. That's right. Stay in the presence of the Lord and be consistent. All I'm asking you to do is turn the page every day, one day. I gave this to our two daughters at the age of about 12. And they read their Bibles through without us you know, harping on them three times by the time they were 20 years old. Every two and a half years, you'll get through the Bible. AND THEN YOU CAN PICK A DIFFERENT TRANSLATION OR GO BACK THROUGH THE SAME ONE AGAIN. AND HERE'S THE BEAUTY OF IT. THEN YOU HAVE THIS PHENOMENAL HEIRLOOM. ONE DAY, CAN YOU IMAGINE IF THIS HAD HAPPENED FROM YOUR GREAT, GREAT, GREAT GRANDFATHER AND HAD BEEN HANDED DOWN AND YOU WERE HOLDING IT? HOW WOULD YOU HOLD IT IN YOUR HAND? YOU WOULD HOLD IT LIKE GOLD. I'M TALKING TO YOU ABOUT THE LEGACY OF YOUR FAITH, THAT ONE DAY YOUR CHILDREN'S CHILDREN WILL ACTUALLY PRAY YOUR PRAYERS AND JOURNAL THROUGH YOUR BIBLE AND SEE WHERE YOU WALKED WITH JESUS. Listen. They will watch where you lost your way and didn't even turn the page for a week or so and picked it back up, and they'll say, hey, God's gracious enough to help me through when I've missed it a couple of days. Turn the page. Get in that atmosphere of the presence of the Lord. Allow Him to begin to drill into the deeper places. There are deep wells beneath you that God wants to awaken within you to transform the world around you, I just say there are perpetual issues that you've been contending with in your life, just lift both your hands. Let's just be honest before the Lord. We're going to break that in Jesus' name, and we're going to today make the determination that we're going to walk with a greater pursuit of a deeper atmosphere that actually has the power to transform our lives. We no longer will scrub the sin on the sides of the pool, but Lord, we just say we're treating the atmosphere. You're giving us wisdom and insight and understanding to treat the atmosphere that we might pursue your heart with a greater clarity, with a greater purity in the way that we we would know you in the way that we would make you known. There are deep wells beneath us. There is new wine, there is fresh oil, and there is ancient revelation. And we need them to be fully functional in who you have called us to be. And when we get this atmosphere right, we will automatically swim like kings, priests, and prophets do. We entered into the kingdom of God through the doorway of the cross, and we stand and declare, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, awaken the earth, O God. to the love of Jesus Christ as you use us to release something of the atmosphere of God's kingdom out of our own hearts in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus is the way. He came and lived and died and is risen from the grave. If you believe Jesus is Lord, would you give him a hand clap of praise and declare it? Jesus is Lord. He is Lord.